You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hello everyone and welcome to the Scottish Football Forums podcast. This is uh, season 11, episode 59. Um, bit of a different voice for you this evening introducing. I'm Benny Ferguson, uh, stepping into host this evening. Uh, I'm joined by uh, one of our regulars, Josh. Josh, how are you? Good evening, Benny. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm really looking forward to this tonight. Um, so it's a, a wee bit unusual, a bit of a special episode because we're going to be focusing on uh, mental health with a football slant in it as well. And um, yeah, excited about our, our two guests this evening. So I'll introduce you to them. Um, so we've got first up Michael McEwen. Uh, Michael is a commentator on disability issues and his work has seen him collaborate with a number of media outlets, including the BBC, some fantastic stuff online and on his website. Michael, it's lovely to have you. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Very nice to meet you. Brilliant, Michael. Brilliant. I'm looking forward to this this evening. I'm sure you'll, you'll have plenty to offer us. Um, and uh, a wee last minute change to the schedule, but we're absolutely delighted uh, to have with us uh, Lauren Grant, uh, one of the goalkeepers from Partick Thistle Women's Club. Um, so, Lauren, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'll do my best to find fun as best I can. <laughs> no, listen, all good. All good. So, as I said, um, tonight is, um, is, is, is all about mental health. Um, I, I know that and, you know, a huge amount of people um, listening to this will, will have had issues with their mental health. Maybe they've, they've got a friend or a family member who's had issues with their mental health. So I'm gonna, I would like to kick off the discussion um, by just getting some thoughts on what do you think are the main causes and, and for, for the rise in mental health cases over the last few years in Scotland, you know, are people just more aware of, you know, the, the triggers and the indicators of mental health? Or do you think there's there's maybe something untoward in, in society? Is it because of social media? Is it use of technology? Are there socioeconomic issues with it as well? You know, there's, there's, there's data suggesting that you know, people in uh, less affluent areas uh, are more likely to suffer from, from issues with their mental health. So I'm really interested to, to hear from, from any, Josh. I know it's uh, your, your day job, uh, certainly in the past as well, has, has, has involved working with members of the public. So I'll kick off with you, Josh. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, your initial feelings in that. Yeah. Um, I suppose... In my, in my own personal view, um, it, I mean, it, that's a, it's a really complicated question, um, and it's not one that can be explained by, I mean, do you know, th- there isn't actually really even an answer to it. Um, there, there are a multitude, multitude of factors as to why we're, you know, potentially seeing a, a rise in the um, levels of, of mental ill health in our um, society. Um, certainly, I, I kind of you, t- you touched on it there. Um, there is there is more of an awareness now around these issues, um, so people are more willing to want to try and access services. Um, service capacity has increased as well. Um, you know, I mean, while it, there's nowhere near what, what is needed, um, service capacity over the past 15, 20 years, even ten years, has increased significantly, which. 
um, then means that more people can get help. Um, and you're seeing that higher numbers. Um, there's also kind of, you know, you touched on the kind of socioeconomic issues. And um, we're now living in, you know, the, the, the potentially the most unequal society that we've ever lived in, um, <laughs> where, you know, we have, we have people who um, are really, really desperately impoverished, um, you know, in comparison um, to, to years gone by. Um, we're also seeing, you know, I, I think in the modern era as well, social media, all this, there's, um, there, there are, you know, people are affected by the way that we've, the way that, the way that, that things are portrayed. Um, you spend a lot of time on social media um, and you're constantly bombarded with other people's lives. And one thing that human beings are, oft, are really good at doing is making comparisons for, for your own circumstances to yeah. other people. Um, and when you're bombarded with people who, you know, in your eyes, and because, and, I mean, that's what mental health is. Mental health is all about your own subjective experience. Um, so if, if your subjective experience is that you're seeing loads of people a lot happier than you, maybe doing a lot better than you, um, and, and certainly maybe, maybe doing things that you would love to be doing, um, then obviously that's going to have a detrimental effect on your mental health. Um, so th there's, there's a huge multitude of factors. Um, some of them positive, you know, like the, the you know, higher uptake in mental health services, which is great, um, but obviously a lot of negative ones as well. No, I, I, I think you've, you've covered a lot there, Josh, and I, I don't think I disagree with any of that, to be honest. I think certainly the, the fact that there are, there are more people accessing services actually is maybe a positive thing. Um, it, it could be seen as a negative, but it's probably a positive thing that more people are, are looking for help. Lauren, what's, what's been your experience with that? Is, is it something that you've come across either yourself and you'd be willing to talk about or, or maybe someone you know, don't need to name names or anything like that, but um, you know, what, what's, what's your take on it in terms of cause? Yeah, well, I... I'm obviously kind of coming to the, at the end of my football career. Um, I'm obviously kind of 31 now, but there's been been players in the past couple of seasons that have taken a lot of, a lot of abuse online. Um, there, there was one that sticks in my mind. It was actually another goalkeeper. She played for Hearts, and it was uh, a couple of years ago, Hibs and Hearts were playing, I think, the, the Scottish Cup semi-final. And it's obviously been kind of hyped up online and stuff like that. And see the abuse she took after the game. I don't. I think Hibs won the game, and I think they won it quite convincingly. But see the abuse she took online was disgusting, and that's not something that the women's football's ever really seen. Um, and I mean, it was the stuff was was awful, and I think it really affected her. Um, and it took her a while to kind of get over over what what can I be named at her? And that's just something that, that we as women's footballers were not really used to. And now I'm kind of seeing more of it because obviously for Partick, they put more online and Rangers and Celtic, you know, social media is now becoming massive within women's football because it promotes the game. And that's the great thing that it's promoting the game and it's getting more people out there. But there's also a negative to that. And that is that people that maybe haven't watched the women's game or have prehistoric opinions of the women's game can then air those opinions online, but not only can they air them online, they can aim them directly at you, which is something that, like I say, it's not women's footballers in my generation were never really used to. And it is, it is 
it's no nice when you see people putting stuff online about you anyway, but when it's on a, a massive or a bigger platform, for that example, your your team's page or, you know, the SWF page or BBC Scotland page, it, it can, it can be hard to read. And then people come back to you and say, well, have you seen this? And it's, you know, it's thrown up in your face quite a lot and it's it's not nice. Um, and I think that has a massive effect. And obviously, like Josh said as well, social media in general, in terms of people portray or can portray what people want them, what they want people to see. So people see like people driving flash cars and watches and having nice clothes. But what might be the case is actually all that, all those stuff, it's all rented, it's all leased, but they portray that as their own. So people that then see that think, well, you know, he does this and he's got this and that and the next thing. I want to do that, but it's not as easy as that. It takes a lot more than that. Um, and I think the younger generation can get caught up in what they want rather than what they have, which again can affect their mental health quite a lot. And it can be it can be detrimental, like you say, obviously making comparisons. Um sometimes you don't necessarily see what you've got and you always yeah. want a bit more and a bit more. And then that's where obviously the mental health can, can decline quite rapidly. No, I think that's a really good point. Again, it comes back to that thing of social media and we'll maybe come on to it a wee bit more uh, again, Lauren, but I, th- I think that that point about uh, abuse online it's stuff and it happens on the terraces as well if, if if someone was walking down the street you would never speak to somebody like that somebody you don't know hey and just just because you're you're behind a keyboard or because you're in, in a stand or a terrace like I, I again we will come on to it later probably but you know, when, when, you, when you look at it what, what gives us the right to do that can, Lauren, yeah. can i can i ask you um one thing that I'm always quite mindful of is, is that, you know, from, from whatever level you're playing at, whether it's, you know, you're playing with the Dog and Duck Sunday League team or, you know, you're, you're playing in the Scottish Women's women's League um, or the Men's League, um, you know, or you're playing for, you know, Manchester United or something, whoever. Um, the players, all, I mean, you know, similar cases of, of abuse online always happen. And, you know, for... for Interviews that, that I've seen, um, particularly at the top level, at the kind of top level of the men's game, they're always keen to um, state that um, they don't read any of it. Um, but I, I'm always reticent to, to believe that um, because, you know, it is, as you say, it is directed directly at them. Um, yeah. And your experience as a player, um, I'm thinking, you know, not just your own experience, but maybe some of your teammates yeah. as well. You know, you know, you and your teammates. Is that something that, that do you read, do you read this abuse? You know, do you is it something that you, you see, you know, on a week to week basis? I think it's not something I personally see on a week to week basis. But I think the more a game's hyped up or the more publicity is put into it, then you will see things online. And obviously, teams like Rangers and Celtic have put a lot of money into their women's sides. And obviously, there's that that there's that divide anyway. And I think there, there is stuff that's put in social media, but, you know, when it's, for me, when it's about a teammate or when it's about your team or you, then, yeah, I would read it or I'd be more likely to come across it and then read it. And, yeah, not take it on board, but you kind of just have to laugh almost because there's nothing else you can do. You, you know, People are going to have opinions. They're going to say these things. If, you know, if you take it on board too much, then, you know, it's a slippery slope where you know, where does it end? Um, in terms of other teammates, I think the women's football circle in Scotland is quite close. Um, and I think, yeah, 
you probably would still see things um, and obviously offer support if it was needed um, for MD, whether you were kind of close or not. I mean, I'm, I don't know kind of everybody in the league, obviously playing against people, I kind of know them from playing, but I, I'm not kind of close friends with, you know, loads of players in the league. But, you know, if there was a case where there was a, a you know, a player picked out specifically for abuse, then yeah, I would be all for, you know, getting behind them and I think there was actually a case quite recently it was I don't know I think it was maybe Stenhouse Muir one of their players yeah took an absolute barrel of abuse online and it's actually quite heartwarming to see what Scottish women's football rallying round and a lot of people spoke out about that as well um and I mean I don't know I don't know her personally but it's something that I saw and I read the comments and I saw people kind of jumping straight on the person that said that and you know basically kind of pulling them up for it and that's that's what you want you want that support because you, you know that you're not alone do you know what I mean I think it can be a very lonely place when you're being picked out for for a lot of abuse especially when it's not something you're you're used to so when you've got people that back you up and that that are there supporting you I think it it, it makes that not easier because it'll never be easy when you're reading abuse about yourself online but when you've got people that are supporting you, then it will be easier to kind of deal with and overcome and just move forward from. Yeah. And Josh, I, I, I think you're right. Like, like I, I Google my name sometimes, just see what comes up. So <laughs> it's, it's uh, yeah, if, if, if players are telling you, oh, I don't need it, I don't need it. Yeah. Well, it's, it'd, I, be, it'd be tough not to. Yeah. yeah and what one dynamic I'm, I'm particularly interested in, and we can maybe, you know, go into this a wee bit later, but I'm particularly interested in the kind of different dynamics around mental health uh, in comparison with the women's game and the men's game because I, I think we've got we've got a lot you know we've got a long long way in it to go in the men's game uh, whereas I think particularly around support networks uh, in the women's game and from what I can see um, obviously I've never played Scottish women's professional football so um, but but from what I can see it seems to be better than, than in the men's professional game um, but that's obviously you know, that's, that's my view from looking outward from looking in you know yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Michael I'm going to come over to you now um, so one of the statistics that, that popped up when I was doing my research for, for this pod which is quite frightening so 25% one in four adults will suffer from poor mental health so that's that's really really staggering when you when you look at the numbers of that and okay there's there's various demographics and you maybe look at, you know, the SIMD figures and, 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 and looking at areas of poverty and whatnot. But still, for the whole country of Scotland, one in four is, is huge. You know, what, what what's, what's going on here, Michael? Do you think it's something that's just always been about or are we just noticing it more? I think what, what I would say, Vanessa, is... Um... Well, well done for having this podcast tonight and speaking the record because there's not a lot of um, kind of podcasts that I hear uh, specifically speaking about kind of mental health as well and, and uh, going back to Josie's point like I made earlier on about there's a lot of kind of like deprivation in Scotland uh, in terms of kind of like food banks and, and all the rest of it as well um, but an answer to your question, <clears throat> so that I think the the mental health issue, if if you want to call it that, has always been there. Um, it's been a, a taboo subject for about ten years ago. Um, like if we were having this podcast maybe about ten years ago, we wouldn't have anybody listening to it. 
because mental health, same as kind of disability can, and also maybe women's sport to a certain point, maybe, maybe Lauren would tell me as well, but that would have been swept under the carpet, um, yeah. you know, and, and all that. So it's very important that we're having this kind of like subject. I, I'm a big believer of in there about, um, you know, like going into schools at a very early age and teaching people about mental health, about disability cases, because that's why you, you've got this kind of like um, keyboard warriors, uh, if you want to call it for better word, uh, hiding behind a keyboard, but they wouldn't actually say that to your face uh, when they meet you up, up in Glasgow or whatever kind of thing. So it's it's more about raising awareness and stuff, but I can't believe that we're still speaking about this kind of the issue. So, but I mean, an answer to your um, an answer to your question that I should get, I should get, I only give you a very short answer, but because it's me, I give you a big massive answer. It's more to do with the awareness raising as well, because if we can get more people knowing about mental health issues, uh, the, the better society will be in our kind of the equal society as well, in, in my opinion, you know. No, I, th I think that's really good points. Michael, we're definitely going to come back to that. You, you spoke about that sort of early intervention there, about getting into schools, speaking to, to kids at a young age about, you know, f first of all, it's it's okay to have, you know, poor mental health. And, it, you know, it's, it's something, you know, the statistics show through the last, as you say, 10 years, that's, that's kind of where, where the figures that we're taking from. It's there. It's, it's going to happen. It's, it's what we do about it. So we'll definitely come back to that, Michael, because I think, I think that's an excellent point that you, you made there. Um, Lauren, if I could uh, come back to you, if that's all right. So thinking specifically about football. Now, you found yourself in, in, in a position after you'd signed from, from Hamilton to go to Thistle that a lot of footballers have found themselves in with a, a very long-term injury. Yeah. Um, you know, Anecdotally, I've, 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 I've heard bits and pieces about how players struggle with that. You know, in, in the men's yep. team at Thistle, there's, there's Darren Brownlee, he's been out um, from, it was, it was a pre-season friendly. Um, it was ACL, I think, that he had. Um, yep. So it, it happens. Yeah. If you don't mind sharing with us a, a wee bit of your story about that, you know, first of all, tell us a wee bit about the injury and then the, the journey that you've been on and, you know, what were the difficulties, but also really, really keen to hear about, you know, what 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 got you through here. Um, we'll make sure that we we, we share the interview you had. Um, yeah. it's, it's on the, the Thistle Woman's uh, Twitter page, which was, um, I, it was I, I think my room was quite dusty when I was watching that. Um <laughs> But it's it's a really really emotional interview. You making your comeback yeah. to the to, to the first team, um. So yeah, if, if you don't mind just telling us a wee a wee bit about it and the journey that you came on, but um, I'm sure there'll be lots of positives to come out of it as well. Yeah. So I left Hamilton at the end of the season uh, and signed for Thistle and went through the pre-season and then I had a car accident. It was quite a serious car accident uh, about two weeks before the season started. And initially, they just thought it was, you know, a relatively minor shoulder injury. Um, and then I started seeing physiotherapists and they discovered that I'd torn my rotator cuff in my shoulder, um, which obviously as a goalkeeper uh, isn't ideal. Yeah, far, far from ideal, we'd say. <laughs> no, no, when you can't lift your arm up, it's not great. 
Um, I also had done some damage to my back as well, which which is kind of still healing just now. Um, so I knew, you know, pretty quickly that it wasn't going to be a kind of quick fix. Um, and then obviously we got the news that we were getting promoted. So that was that was a kind of another another blow on top of the accident as well that I've kind of been in and around the Premier League for a couple of years and I, I signed with Thistle because I wanted to, to earn the right to, to get promoted to the Premier League and hopefully get another season in the Premier League and then you know you get kind of told that you know a team unfortunately is folded but that the opportunity is there, there to go up and you're, you're excited for that and then the next thing you know you're in a car accident and, and that's been kind of taken away from you again um, so yeah, so that was in the August. So obviously, for the first kind of wee while, I, I wasn't really out the house. I couldn't go anywhere. Um, I was in quite a lot of heavy painkillers as well. Um, so that obviously takes its toll as well because you're not really seeing people. I was obviously not working as well. Um, and kind of a bit more isolated from, from my friends as well, um, which, which obviously didn't help and stuff. So I kind of... I couldn't really drive, so I was having to get people to kind of drop me to rain um, with, you know, not my arm and obviously the anxiety and stuff uh, from the accident as well. Um, and then watching the girls, it was, I've never really missed a lot of games through injury. I don't like being injured, I'll play, you know, my leg could be hanging off and I'd still play. <laughs> um, so it was hard enough that I couldn't physically, I physically couldn't play. Um but the girls, you know, the girls were brilliant. They come in and whenever I was in, you know, they'd be laughing and joking and I'd, I'd try and do, try and kind of be supportive at training. But at the same time, it's hard. As much as you're going there for the, you know, the social aspect and to stay involved, it's still hard because you, you can't do anything at all. And it's it's that it's, you love something so much and you're watching everybody else do it. And it is, it, it's, it's a good thing, but it's a bad thing at the same time. Um, so doing all that. Um, and I was kind of, I'd initially, my rehab was going quite well and I'd initially said I wanted to kind of be back at the turn of the year and I spoke to Kieran the physio and he was like, well, we'll see, like, we'll see the end of January, start of February. So I was like, right, okay, got through Christmas, did more rehab, came back in in January and things were still kind of, still kind of, they weren't, they weren't where they, they should have been. I mean, I still was having mobility issues with my arm um, and, just kind of lost a feeling and sensation in my hand and stuff, which again isn't ideal. So that was then put back a little bit more, and that again is just another knock. And it is, it's so hard when you're, you know, all you do is you, you, I work and I play football. That's all. I, that's all I do. I've I've loved football for years. See um, that point, Lauren, because yeah. this is this has always intrigued me. Is there a part of you that do you almost want to say to the physio and the gaffer, "I'm fine," even though yeah. you know you're not. Yeah, I've I, I literally, I could still, I've only maybe about a month and a half, two months ago, been able to kind of do this, the full, full mobility. And I really wanted to say to Kieran, yeah, listen, I'm absolutely fine. <laughs> I, could hard, I could still, I still could hardly walk. My, I'm still getting tingling sensation down my legs and stuff. And I was still at the point where I was just like, you know what, I'm fine. Just stick a bit of deep feet on it, I'll be fine. <laughs> but I think with other injuries, you can kind of be like, right, I, you know, I'm not 100% but I can play but I think because of how bad my back was and my shoulder you know I'm, I'm 31 I've got a lot of life left in me I've got quite a manual job if I didn't take care of rehab there was a chance I could have crippled myself so then I can't work yeah. you know I can't play football so as much as I really really wanted to 
just get chucked back on the football park. I had to. I just had to be sensible because, as much as I love football, and you know, and I want to be able to walk. I want to have kids someday and be able to walk my kids and watch my kids play football. And if if I cripple myself because I'm impatient, then you know, it, it isn't worth it. And you, you touched on it there, but also I think the nature of how you got your injury with the car crash, and you know, for for, for anyone to go through that, never, never mind that your your whole career is so physical. You know, the football yep. side and obviously your day job as well. But yep. um, th- there's obviously the, the mental aspect of, of that as yeah. well. Like, how, how, how have you found that? Are you, what, like, were, were you driving? Are you back driving? Are, how are you getting cars and things? Is that still an issue? Yeah, or? so I'm back driving. I do have a lot of anxiety as a passenger still. Um, I'm not a great passenger purely because I'm not in control of the car. So that's an added anxiety on top of everything else. Um um, I obviously now I'm driving to training and, you know, I tried to kind of get behind the wheel as, as quickly as I could because I didn't want there to be that that stigma where I'm in the car and I'm, I'm frightened. I wanted to just get behind the wheel and kind of almost get it over with so that I'm back to like, oh, it's fine, I'm okay. I'll be fine. It's, it was a one-off because I think if I'd have left it too long, then that would have been an issue. And obviously I have to drive for my job and I have to drive to training and, and to games and stuff. And I don't, I don't have too many people I could rely on to, to drop me to training and drop me to games all the time. So I just kind of, it was one of those things where you've got to just go, right, yeah, you know, this, that was scary. It was a bad thing. But you need to almost get back on the horse. As I say, once I'd kind of, I'd started driving just kind of short journeys here and there, you kind of get a little bit of confidence back and a bit more, you're a bit like, right, okay, that's fine. And obviously you're in control and you're just, I'm just a bit more hypervigilant when I'm driving um, just now. But, yeah, no, I'm 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 back behind the wheel and and I've obviously taken things a day at a time and try to go slightly longer journeys and things like that just to kind of no, keep progressing that's, forward. That's really good to hear. And obviously, um, I the the often spoke about um, goalkeepers union. Um, <laughs> we obviously have a, a close relationship with the with the other Lauren Lauren McGregor. Yeah. Um, yeah. How how's she been in terms of um, support for you over the last few weeks? <sighs> Brilliant. Me and, me and McGregor are, are similar-ish ages, so we are kind of a different, a different breed. We're a different generation, so just we just I tell you, it's just moan. We just moan all the time. That's all we do in training. Pure, pure Sneds, pure Jimmy Sned when he comes into training. We just, we just moan all the time. But I think that's it was good. Sometimes you just need somebody to moan to and to have a rant to, and then they might be bounce ideas off each other or just kind of talking back and forth and having a bit of a rant to one another and just kind of that's that's just how I dealt with it just it's just it's good to have a, another another day to listen to and to talk to and talk things through and she was really good to turn around and kind of try and make me see that things things could have been a lot worse I'm, I'm quite lucky that that I wasn't actually in my car I was in my works van I think if I'd have been in my car I'd have been I'd have been in a, a worse state um so you've got to kind of take positives and I think McGregor was quite good and and uh, helping me kind of see that and get me back into training and kind of, you know, the challenge is there now. She's obviously, she's been playing, so it's good to have, to be kind of, I'm back in the chase again, and that's something that's obviously pulling me on as well. I was just I was just going to bring that up. Obviously, for the, the rest of the season, the, the news that there isn't any relegation, so to a certain extent, obviously, you want to finish up as high as, high as you yeah. can, and you don't. If, if, if this all were to end up in that playoff spot, that's an achievement yep. in itself, given uh, yeah. the, the, the way the promotion came about and whatnot. 
but um, it's 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 good news in a way that there's there's there is no relegation issue, but there's the big semi final coming up in a few weeks, so yeah. um, you're not going to try and trip Lauren up or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 none of that. No, listen, it's McGregor's a great goalkeeper. Um, she's done really well this season. Yeah, she has. She's done. She was actually injured at kind of the same point as me for a wee bit. Um, That's right, because so obviously Danica had her own goals as well. Yeah, yeah. by the way. And did really well. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 at one point I actually like I don't think I need to come back because she's just going to come and take my take my spot. <laughs> uh, I for a centre half she did all right, um, but yeah, no, it's that's the thing. Thistle, we're a, we're a team. We're all a team. The girls are brilliant. We've all back each other. Whether we're on the bench, whether we're playing, whether we're in the stand, because we've got quite a big squad. We we know what we're about. We obviously you know we we got the chance to come into the league. But, I've said before, we're not here just to take part. We want to finish as, as high as we can. And we've, I think we've, you know, I think quite honestly, people wrote us off at the start of the season. People expected this to be, you know, odds on for relegation. And, you know, we're pushing teams close. We're push, we push Celtic close at the weekend. We push City yeah. close. We've pushed Rangers close once or twice. Um, we've taken points off Hibs. We've put Hibs out of the Scottish Cup. You know, we're, we're overachieving and, you know, we're loving it. You know, at Thistle, we're, we're quite happy to be the underdog because people just seem to keep kind of writing us off and they do it at their peril, so... No, that's, you know, that's, it's, it's great to hear. It's, it really is. It's been... the the, the after, Like I said to you before we came on, the, the football that Thistle are playing is, is fantastic as well. You know, yeah. I, you know if, if they were to get relegated, they were going out with a bang and they were going to play football. Oh, yeah, definitely. We're not so there to sit back. The, the games have been really entertaining. Sometimes a wee bit too entertaining. And like as a as a yeah. as a fan, I've you know I've either been at the games or watching on the streams and on the Sunday yeah. afternoons. It and, sounds uh, so, sorry sorry sorry. Oh, Josh, no, I was just going to say, um, Lauren, it sounds um, as if um, so your injury was obviously non-sport related, um, yeah. and it um, was having, uh, you know, potentially having a, a serious impact on your personal and professional life regards, regards to your day job. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it sounds, and I'm no one to put it in your mouth, but it sounds as if f- your, your football was pro- was one of the main driving factors for you and, and motivating you to, to engage with rehab and to recover well. Would that be kind of yeah. accurate? I'm just thinking oh, about no. the, the, yeah, the, the, you know, that's a, a, such a kind of positive role that football has played on your circumstances around your car crash. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly right. Um, actually, one of my bosses, when I'd kind of said to him, I was, you know, back kind of doing light stuff at training, he, he actually said to me, you know, I was phoning in every week to kind of just check in and stuff. And he was like, you actually sound, you can just tell you sound so much happier. And and I was, it's, it was, it was a really, really tough few months. And just even back in doing light stuff uh, with the rest of the girls was a massive thing for me. And it, it had played a massive, massive role in lifting my mental health because I wasn't, I, I'll be honest, I wasn't in a great place. I was really, really struggling. I'd, I'd gone through um, quite a, a dramatic personal change uh, or change in my personal life pretty recently as well. So last year wasn't a great year for me. Um, and I think football was one of the things that kind of, kept me going and then obviously I had my accident and that that took a back seat as well but no football was definitely something that's kind of kind of pulled me through um and lifted my spirits when I you know I haven't been in in the best place mentally so and I think I think there's probably more players in the league that would say that as well yeah 
Yeah, and that's it's one thing that I've I've heard, you know, time and time again. Maybe not from the top level, but I've heard, heard from a lot of people, um, particularly in lower league football, that um, that, that have found that, that the kind of more the the more, more you know the, the motivation that they get around their, their wanting to get back to their football is something that gives people drive to um, to not just improve their physical health but improve their mental health as well because football is so yeah. so important to um, people's individual mental health. I mean, we've seen that over even 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 with fans um, during the the pandemic lockdown when the football was stopped. And I think uh, you know even as fans, we were all really really struggling not going to the football every week and. Um, yeah. it just shows how, how much a kind of big role that football can play yeah I think no. for, for 90 minutes you're just as much as you might be having issues out with football for 90 minutes you're you're doing what you love you're doing what mm-hmm. you're good at and mm-hmm. I think that's that's why football plays such a big role because it's it takes you away from from your struggles for, for 90 minutes or however long you're playing and that's that's one of the big things about why it's it's so good for, for so many people mm-hmm. spot on spot on Michael, one of the things Lauren talked about there was that that togetherness, that that team spirit, and you know having someone like Lauren McGregor or a fellow goalie there, someone to bounce off of. And in your experience, Michael, and you've you've obviously met a lot of people and spoken to a lot of people and had experiences yourself. How important is it to to have someone with you on on that journey, whether it's um, whether it's an organisation or whether it's someone close to you? Yeah, no, definitely. I'm not trying to plug my documentary, but like last year I did a documentary for uh, Radio Scotland and it was about the Paralympics and really what we were trying to uh, get across to the listeners was like even though um, these athletes have got a disability, take away the disability and look at the talent um, I suppose it's like the same with like women's football and, and um, kind of disability football to a certain extent. Like we are kind of like involved in kind of like labels and boxes, and as soon yeah. as we take them away, it's like wow, look at Lauren, she's a brilliant goalkeeper. Wow, look yeah. at Michael, he's a is a brilliant football player. Even though that like, I know that the the line and stuff like that, but you know, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like you, you take away all these kind of um, boxes and labels about oh, it's women's football, it's disabled football, it's not the high standard. Well, I as you know, just just look at the people in the park, you know, and, and forget about if they've got a disability, if they're women or, you know, whatever kind of, kind of thing, you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's um, it's helpful if there's a, a team around you that can, like, support you in your difficult times, as you, you were saying, Lauren, as well, to kind of, like, support you through it, you know. I mean, football's a wee bit different to kind of like golf or whatever because you're one man or one one woman walking about the course but now when you're playing football it's like you're, you're surrounded by you're surrounded by a family if that kind of makes sense not in a cheesy way but you know you know stuff like that and they support you and they they kind of they kind of like encourage you to do kind of like different stuff whereas if you were on your own you would think it a bit difficult and you could maybe give up because you thought, well, what's the point here, you know? Yeah. 
No, I, th- I think you're spot on there, Michael. I think that's a really, really good points. And um, in, in, in my day job, in my professional life, I'm an additional support needs teacher. And you hit the nail on the head there with one of your points. We could write pages and pages and pages of things that our kids can't do. But actually, what's the point in that? Focus on the things that they can do, build on their strengths. And that's the same for anybody. Yeah. Um, so I, th- I think that's a really, really good point. Uh, but one, one of the things, one of the things um, Michael, that um, I was quite um, inspired about the Paralympics and have been for a number of years, um, is that a lot of the a lot of the athletes um, have came to the sport after injury or you know a, a life altering event that has led to them having a disability rather than I, I, I know a lot of the Paralympians are, are um, born with whatever kind of condition um, they have but there's also a, a lot of people that have turned to um, um, disabled sport um, is a method is a method to cope with um, a huge change in their life circumstances. Um, so you know, again, it just I mean, it just shows that you know what, what a role that sport particularly can play um, in in helping people recover from such a significant um, change in your life. And I suppose as well that um, back keep what I was saying earlier on about it can raise awareness about these kind of like sports as well. But I think one sport, disability sport, has gone common with kind of like female sports. As I know maybe this is another podcast because I can easily sell to others with this, but the, the TV coverage of the women's game in, in Scotland and, you know, like um, disability sport, you only see it when it comes to the Paralympics every yeah. four years. But we know that, you know, the sporting events of the of the weekend or, or of the day, you know, and, and that's really frustrating. And that would be a good way to encourage more people to take up sports, but at the same time, um kind of like uh, raise awareness of of the kind of sports and uh, kind of like knock away the, the barriers that if you want to call it fair bit of work to to kick part in. Uh, kind, kind of like sports as well but yeah I mean going back to what Vinny was saying earlier on about um, and I, I never knew that you were ASN teacher so it's nice to to hear that but like um, I think as well that um, you know that me and you and probably the listeners would know a lot of people a lot of talented people with a disability men women whatever having a disability but um you know, that's why there's a, a low percentage of people with a disability and mental health, you would say, into employment. Uh, and I know we're not here to speak about employment, but that's kind of like one of the, the kind of big issues, kind of thing. No, and I, I think um, the the other guys in the podcast are really keen to do a wee, a wee series of these mental health podcasts. So, Michael, I think you're, you're absolutely right. You, you could do another podcast on that as well in terms of employability of people um, who've had um, you know issues with their mental health. And I know for me, one, one of the big changes, I, I had a, a really difficult time uh, a few years ago um, and then had a wee bit of a relapse with my mental health, uh, let me think, or two years ago, it was just before the pandemic. And the biggest thing for me was, uh, was, was, was moving job and it, it was of huge benefit to me. But I remember even 
taking the phone call and accepting the job on the phone. And I was still worried that someone would say, we noticed you were off your work for a certain period. Do you mind telling us about that? And, you know, that, that conversation was had because obviously there's, there's, there's a gap. There's, you know, a notable absence there. And when I said it, it was just, okay, that's fine. No problem. And that was just a huge weight off my shoulders. So I think that that'd be a really interesting one to get into at, at some point, just even if it's... Uh, you know, there, there, there will undoubtedly be a stigma about it, but it'll be about people's confidence as well. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that is, is confidence. Um, is particularly confidence. Very. I mean, we we know that people who have suffered with mental ill health um, do, generally speaking, do lack confidence um, and and have anxiety around communicating the fact that they have had mental ill health, um, particularly in professional um, areas. Um, so it's, I mean, it's no surprise that, you know, like you're saying there, with your own experience, moving job, it was anxiety provoking for you, even having to tell them that you had had a period off of work. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah um, as you say, that I mean, that could fill, God, that could fill two or three podcasts. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Right. So uh, moving on, I'm really uh, keen. I, th- I think we've had a great chat so far, but I'm really keen to hear of, you know, any organisations, any charities, any support that you guys are aware of. Also, we're, we're hoping that we've got some listeners um, who, you know, maybe recognise what we're saying and, um, you know, maybe even recognise themselves in some of the conversations that we're having. So, um, a, 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 a wee chance for us to plug some some great things that we've heard about. Um Josh, do you, do you want to start? Obviously, like like I alluded to earlier, you've you've got some experience in your, your uh, professional life. Um, yeah. So, anything that you'd like to mention? Yeah, I mean, God, there's there's, there's so many, um, so many, and probably one of the one of the best. What 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 you know, if if you're not sure specifically what kind of thing that you would like to go to, it's probably best to go to a large organisation that can be good at signposting. Um, like like some somewhere like Samh or um, you know breathing space or so, somewhere that, that can be really good to signpost you to various kind of charitable organisations and things that are um, within your local area. But a couple that I'm particularly um, interested in and passionate about. Um, I mean, it probably not surprise you that I'm, I'm quite passionate about men's mental health. Um, so um, things like um, men's sheds, I think, is absolutely brilliant. Um, because that's an organised. So Men's Sheds is a, it's more of a kind of collection of organisations, so to speak, um, and, it, and it's essentially for men aged kind of forty to sixty, you know, upwards of sixty, um, and it's really about kind of, I suppose the purpose of the, those organisations is about giving men of that age uh, somewhere to do, somewhere to go, and some something to do. And to have a bit of camaraderie that's not based around going to the pub, um, mm. and not not around using alcohol as a coping mechanism, um, and because I think you know for men particularly that period of your life is a crucial period of your life, um, because you're transitioning from, um, you know, a, from a young man with your whole life in front of you to you know the 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 I suppose the role of a, a kind of elderly gentleman. So. That's a really good one. Um, another really good one, a passionate, passionate Hill Walker. Um, there's a really good organisation called Mountains, Mind, M- Mountains Mend Minds. Um, try to say that after a, after a, a few swift laughs. laughs. Um, 
And um, it's run by a guy from Fife called Ross Cunningham, I think. I think that's his name. Um, and it's essentially just a, a, a kind of organisation that promotes um, using hill walking as a, 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 as a activity, as a tool um, to improve your mental health generally. It's something that gives me such, you know, whenever I feel really, really um, stressed with life and things I'm getting too much from, you know, experiencing low mental health, I'll tend to go out and, and go a walk um, because I find it's really, really therapeutic for me. Um, but I suppose, you know, the, the other thing that I would want to say with regard, to, maybe not specifically organisations, but the other part about mental health that I would want to say, based on my own experience, um, and, you know, this isn't an opinion based out of um, any kind of organisation that I work for or whatever, um, but what I would say is, with, with regards to mental health, um, as I always tell people, be selfish. Um, you, 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 cannot, you cannot build a house without strong foundations. So if you um, if you are really struggling with your own mental health, um, how you know how are you going to help anyone else in your life? You you need to be selfish in that capacity. Um, Josh, I'm, so, I was laughing when you said that because I've <laughs> I've had this conversation with with, with colleagues um, and about how selfishness is is such a is, is seen as such a negative word. Yeah, it's it's the, there, it's, there is it's, there is it's positive not. selfishness. There exactly. is positive selfishness. No, I, th- I think you're spot on with that, and it's, it's a piece of advice that I've I've given to people uh, in the past as well. Um, no, that's 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 great. We've got a whole list there, and um, we'll make sure we, we share links to all these services yeah, uh, as as the episode goes out. Uh, Lauren, are, are you aware of any organisations or, or anything that's, that's helped people out in the in, in the past? The kind of the one that I've kind of seen is Chrissy's House. Um, I've seen a lot of their kind of stuff online. I know Aaron. Um, I think he was involved with Christie's House as well before he started his uh, his kind of football groups and obviously Aaron's football groups as well. Um, I follow them on on Twitter and stuff. Um, and you know, for me, his his work's great. He's obviously kind of been through a journey himself, and he's come out the other side and he's doing great things for for trying to improve people's mental health with uh, you know kind of hand in hand with football as well. Um, so those are kind of two of the big ones uh, that I've kind of seen, but also. I think, you know, again, speaking kind of, you know, from personal experience, I think there's a lot of shame attached with poor mental health. And I think that's something that is a big issue as well. You know, I personally, my mental health got so bad because I didn't want to burden other people. And I was also ashamed of how bad I'd let my mental health get. But when you're in a spiral, you just just can't see a way out. So it just continues to get worse until you do speak out and speak to people and you know, I think people are afraid to speak to people that they know for fear of being judged. But, you know, I reached out to to one of my best friends and, you know, I was at the point where, you know, I was considering literally taking my car off the road. I just, I was at a point where, I, you know, I just was thinking, like, I don't want to be here anymore. And I knew that's when I really needed help because it wasn't just a one-off thing. It was, you know, it was a continual thought. And I just thought, I need to speak to somebody now because this is just too much. And I reached out and I just said, look, I need, I need to speak to you. I'm not in a good place. And, you know, I was on the phone for, for about three hours and she just made me see that, you know, things aren't, you know, things weren't as bad as I'd got myself into a position where I thought they were. And 
you know, that's something else is, you know, as bad as, as things are, as bad as you think things, you know, are just now, it's it's momentary. Things always get better. It might take a week, it might take a month, it might take a year, but things always get better. And that's something I've, you know, I've seen um, in first hand that, you know, things are now for me getting better. Um, and I'm starting to feel better, more positive. Um, I will start to get back to football and back to work as well. Um, so, yeah, I think, that you know, if I could give him any advice, to any listeners it would be don't be ashamed if you are having if you are going through a period of a poor mental health reach out to somebody whether it's a friend whether it's a stranger um I you know I, I work in Glasgow at the weekends as a as a steward and but people have reached out to me obviously that's probably as well because they've had a couple of drinks but <laughs> you know reach out to anybody you know someday if you I think sometimes people give off a vibe just a kind of caring nurturing vibe and I think sometimes that's what people need and I, I try to, to portray that when I'm working and, you know, just as a person in general. And sometimes somebody can just make you feel comfortable enough where you think, right, OK, you know, I need to speak to somebody and you might be that person. And I think that's just what people need to need to be aware of. It doesn't need to be a friend. It can be anybody. Um, just to get that burden off your shoulders, that weight off your shoulders. And then from there, once you start opening up, that's that's when, you know, you're turning a corner and things, things can only go up from there. No, spot on, Lauren. That's great. Um, Michael, I'll come to you. Um, obviously, you, you'll be quite well-connected in this area in terms of um, organisations and, and, and charities. And earlier on, you, you spoke about, you know, getting into schools and everything like that. If, if you could enlighten us with a, a few things that you're aware of, that'd be great. Yeah, um, first of all, that, that's a brilliant answer that you gave for them. Um, advice to people as well. Like, if they're, if they're listening to this and scared to speak about a mental health issue to the mum or dad or just a random person at a bus stop yeah. as well um, because that, that's one good thing about people in Scotland they, they let you chat and they, they let you listen um, as well so it's so well done on, on that front I think like Josh kind of basically said um, uh, Sam H um basically they're, they're a brown organization and also they like, see me scotland um but see me scotland is like similar i, th- I think it is to to uh, it's about they want to earn it uh, so that they want to end a uh, kind of like discrimination um to mental health as a whole. So I think they, they, they work with kind of like colleges and put on events and, and all that. Um, and also once a year that I volunteer for the um, the, the Scottish Mental Health Arts Festival, it's got nothing to do with football, but like, um, you know, sometimes they have like a sporting theme within like the festival and it happens all, all over Scotland in the month of May. So it's coming up in two weeks, I think it is, for the, the whole month. And basically it's just like, because even though we're here talking about mental health and football, but that's like mental health and kind of like politics or, or whatever. So... Um, and that they even have the, um, a wee mini film festival during the, the event where um, people come from all over the world to, to Glasgow and that's really a big um, a big uh, award ceremony in Glasgow. I was really surprised with the first year I volunteered because like 
people that came from the Australia Africa to to the event as well. So yeah, the, these are kind of like the main ones. Obviously, like I I don't know every kind of like mental health charity, but I'm sure there'll be small ones out there. But I think that's a key kind of like ones as well that that we know about. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, so obviously we, we recognise that, that football can, can play a major part in, in people's mental health. I would imagine that, uh, Josh, you, you, um, you were a happy, happy lad yesterday and um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're fresh as a daisy today. Um, speaking of being fresh as a daisy, Josh, were you aware that uh, Manscaped has the full package you need for a full spring clean this year? <laughs> I like good segue, yeah. good segue. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, I do believe that um, our podcast, SFF podcast, is sponsored by Manscaped. Um, and uh, we just uh, to make sure our listeners are using our discount code, Vinny. So, what is that? Uh, the discount code is, let me see, where have I got it? Do you know what? I'll put the discount code. Make sure that that gets that's that gets yeah. shared on the Spotify. Why don't we do that? Yeah, I'll make sure. They've got a number of great products this year. They've got the the, the package four point It's got everything you need in it, including <laughs> these names. Crack me up. The lawnmower. Yeah, lawnmower four which I've got myself. Fantastic. And, and fantastic you'd recommend Josh? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've on record many times in this podcast. Fantastic piece of kit. Um, no, it's no, waterproof. No, yes, waterproof. Uh, Nick proof. Um, they, 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 they. I mean, they, they are seriously all, all seriousness here. SFF twenty is the discount code, by the way. Uh, you're getting twenty percent off on on all your uh, manscape stuff. Um, you know, it, it's 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 for all body hair, right? So you know, let's just be clear here. Um, <laughs> right? You know, it's for whatever your body hair grows, right? Um, but but it is it's absolutely top quality. And twenty percent off off is a great discount. So get on it, listeners. That is a good discount. And also on, on a on a more serious note, we have been talking about looking after yourself and everything like that. So um it's uh, April is testicular cancer awareness month as well. So we are talking about looking after yourself and um for, for, for the guys listening out there. Um Manscaped's partnered with the Testicular Cancer Society to 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 try and raise more awareness. Um, and it's uh, the, the most common form of cancer in men aged 15 to 35. So obviously that's our core demographic for, for the podcast as well. Um, and uh, the initiative that they've got running this year is the We Save Balls uh, 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 campaign that they've got. So um, if, if you are in a position to, to take on one of those products from Manscaped, then you'll be supporting a great cause as well. Fantastic. So, um, so kind of to, to, to round off the, the podcast, folks, uh, on, on the agenda, I appreciate, Lauren, that it was kind of last minute for you, but you, you probably already answered this, actually. But I was wanting to know, number one piece of advice um, to, to give to someone, anyone, re- regarding mental health, if it's been something from your own life or something you've seen someone else benefit from, uh, what would it be, Lauren, to pick up on something that you said I think, and, and, and Michael, you, you echoed it as well about reaching out and talking to someone. Um, I've got a, yeah, a, a you know, some, someone that I'm quite close to who um, has OCD and um, her kind of take on it was if I, she, she, she's better now, but if she was 
if she reached out and talked to someone about the thoughts that she was having, she she really would have panicked about what their reaction would have been. And the way she put it was, if I'd told them what I was thinking, they would have run a mile. Um, yeah. Because, um, you know, it's um, some really, really dark thoughts with, with, with OCD. And, uh, you know, I was very mild with it myself and I was able to keep a lid on it and things like that. Um, so I, I think you're right. And you were in that great position where you had that person, you knew exactly who to talk to that, that night yeah. and stay on the phone with. And if you've got that person, then that's fantastic. But I think it's it's really good. And we've all mentioned charities and organisations. And that was a great point you made, Josh, as well, about see if you're not sure. So if, if that, that person that I'm close to, they maybe could have gone to a larger organisation and then just found their, their, their pathway to getting that right kind of support. So I think that would be really good advice, finding out what works for you. For me, I I was offered, this was through workplace options, by the way, which, which I think needs to be talked about as well. If your employer offers something like that, take them up on it um, because it's, it's, it's part of your employment. It's, it's, a, it's a right that you have. Yes. And it's completely confidential. Your employer doesn't need to know anything about it. It's that, that's the way I went about it. Um, and I, I went through a couple of rounds of, of counselling through that. CBT, Cognitive Behaviour Therapy, was suggested to me at one point. So I went and tried it. Didn't like it. It didn't work for me. And, and, and that was okay, even although at the time I thought, I'm not getting any better. This is not helping. It was great just to have that conversation with, with a professional and say, I'm not getting what I should be um, out of this and it was just a change change of change of uh, track for me and you know the, the the benefits were huge by by doing that so it's about finding the right kind of support that that would be my advice and I think that was a great point you made Josh um, however if, if you are fortunate in that position to to have someone I know exactly who to talk to yes absolutely reach out to them um, Josh do you want to go next number one piece of advice for anybody um yeah, well, I mean, I, I mentioned my one about be be selfish earlier on, um, but if I was to, if I was to say another one, um, be honest with yourself. Um, people people who are experiencing mental ill health um, often often you know you know convince themselves that they're not you know they're not really that seriously affected by by their own mental mental ill health. Um, it can be, you know, mental mental health is something that every person alive um, some experiences, whether it's whether it's healthy or unhealthy. Um, and um, at times we have, you know, we have we all have dips in it. Um, at times people can have such a dip that they, you know, receive a diagnosis with a with a mental health condition, uh, or it can just or it can just be something. Um, you know, relatively mild, like um, you know, you know, um, a touch of um, depression and anxiety. So it's a whole kind of different spectrum. Um, but but w- what I would say is, be honest with yourself. If if you're experiencing things, um, you know, every single day, um, then seek help. Um, the helps because you know it's unlikely that the help's going to come to you, um, because you can't see into someone's head. It's not um, you know. You, it's it's not that you know you it's not a broken leg um you need to um be active and and get the help and the help is there the help the help is there so be honest with yourself no I, th- I, th- 
I think that's a, a excellent point, Josh. And I, I feel a bit emotional with you saying that actually, because when I was eventually signed, signed off my work, mm-hmm. I went to the occupational health appointment that was set up through uh, through through my employer, and um, <laughs> I can I can laugh about it now because I've, I've come through it. But I was literally escorted from from the appointment to my car to make sure I got there, mm-hmm. um, and uh, got in my car composed myself and I went back to work <laughs> and I had you know I had the bit of paper that was um you know this this, this is what's up with you and the, the nurse was great she was like take this to your GP and mm-hmm. you know you take time off work I went straight back to work went back and said ah, I'm gonna I'm gonna phone my GP see if and I was really blase about it because I just wasn't processing anything mm-hmm. so the next day I was I what the chances of this getting a GP appointment the next morning but I did <laughs> And um, went to the GP. GP literally handed me the, the the fit note, and I got in the car, phoned my wife, and said, "Yeah, the doctor's giving me this two week line, uh, so I'm going to pop into work and hand it in." <laughs> and it was just this. That was the way my brain was thinking of just, I'll just carry on. I'll have a conversation with them, tell them this is what the doctor thinks, but it, it'll be fine. And it wasn't until I stopped, I realised how bad it was and how terrible my memory had got. And it was only that point when I gave myself that we we chance to pause and actually reflect on things. I, I realised just how, how bad it was. So I think that's uh, yeah, that's really hit home with me, Josh. I'd been honest with yourself, um, Lauren. You you spoke about reaching out to somebody. Is there anything else you'd like to add at this point, or do you, do you feel that that's um, that that's that's the main takeaway for you? I know, well, it's definitely it's definitely. For me, it's definitely something that, that massively helped. Um, but obviously, it takes you time to get there. And, you know, like Josh said, you do. You need to be honest with yourself. And I think people do when they are suffering from poor mental health. They stay really busy. They do lots of things all the time so that they're dead busy. So they don't think about how they feel all the time. And it's not until you do stop and think or you are on your own that it does start to hit home. But then that makes things worse because you start to realise and then you get more upset, and it, it, like I said, it's a vicious cycle. Um, so it is sometimes, you know, as much as there is a shame attached to poor mental health, I think, you know, there comes a point where you'll know yourself that, you know, the way that you feel isn't how you should feel. You shouldn't feel, you know, guilt, shame, however you feel. And it is just that one person that you probably think is going to, you know, you're you're afraid to send because you're worried they're going to judge you. But you know, if they're if they're close to you, if there's somebody that that is in and around your life on a kind of daily basis, the chances are that person isn't going to act like that. They're going to be concerned. They're going to notice that you haven't maybe been yourself, and they're going to want to help. They're going to want to to help you get through, you know, your permanent health and see you out the other side. Because a lot of people in your life, you know love you, you might, this is actually, that's a good thing, that's just popped into my head there the reason, one of the main reasons that, that I'm still here today is because I realised that I matter to a lot of people and I think that's something that when you're in the, the depths of despair and you're really struggling, you forget because you feel like a burden and that's something that kept me holding on was that I realised that I mattered, I, I could, physically couldn't do that to the people that, that, I'm, that are really close to me, I couldn't you know, I couldn't have ended my life because a matter to those people and I was more concerned for how they would feel if I you know if, if I, I, I did something 
how that would affect them, not how not how it would affect me, but how they would feel. I didn't want to put them through that. So I think that for me, that's something that that would be my advice. As much as you feel like, you know, you're alone, nobody cares, you matter. And it's not even to the people that you think you matter to. You probably matter to a lot more people that you don't actually know. There are actions that we do as people on a daily basis, even so much as, you know, smiling to somebody across the street. That action can matter to somebody and you'll never know about it ever again. And I think that's something that I've said to, I've said this to other people as well when they've, you know, maybe approached me with poor mental health. Um you never know. You'll never know how many times you make an impact on somebody else's life, but you just have to stop and take a second and think and remember that you matter to so many people. Lauren, that, that's that's brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. I think that's yep. Uh, I, again, I can feel myself welling up there because when you mentioned about burden, that's something that came up in a, a, a lot of my yeah. sessions with with with, with my counsellor. And um, the the phrase that I took away from that was, she said, "Imagine how you would feel if someone trusted you enough to come to you with their mental health problems, and that's you can empower someone else actually by yeah. by giving by sort of sharing that responsibility with them, and actually that's that's a huge." Um, that's a huge thing for them uh, to, to yeah. take on, and it's a privilege for them actually to 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 be that person that you've asked. Well, that's yeah. brilliant, um, Michael. I'll, I'll come to you finally. Yeah, no, I think Lauren basically gets to get older. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm taken aback by by what you said. I like. Um, and there's not a lot of time that I get stuck for words, but in that occasion, I, I do uh, and, and stuff. But yeah, I mean, seriously, I mean, it's about like, you know, listening to people, um, whether, whether you, you know them or you don't know them as, as well. What I was saying in my previous answer was we all like to speak in Scotland and we always like to help other people. Well, through the pandemic, we, we do, um, hopefully it carry, carries on. Um, and the world would be a better place and, and, um, and all that. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, if you, if you ever think about, you know, um, you know, like, um, <laughs> taking your own life and stuff like that, just think of, what Lauren was saying, like, just think uh, how many people that you know in terms of your football team or your football, f- the, the fans that, you, that you're playing for front of every week and and what have you. The, think of, like, the um, the people uh, that will kind of, like, miss you and, and stuff like that. Not, not to put a dampener on this kind of, like, podcast, but, like, just to... Yeah, just because... Just to be open and honest with people, don't hide anything. Um, you know, just kind of like be open and honest with each other about the issues that like you're facing, and don't be don't be scared to speak about it because obviously, um, you know, it's not a taboo subject now. It's kind of like out there in the, in the public domain and 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 all that. So yeah, just speak about it and. You know, and 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 you know, you might meet a new pal for that because you never know that that person that you're speaking to might go, might have this, might be going through the same situation as you. But it's not, 
it's not until you speak about it then that you kind of realise that they're going through the, the same kind of like issues as well. So yeah, just be just be open and honest and speaking about it. I think that's the best way. That and yeah, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Well, listen, folks. I, I think I think we'll we'll leave it there. That's a really good point to end on. Some some good advice for for everyone. Um, it's I've really enjoyed talking to you all. It's um, it's it's. I, I didn't expect it to get quite so emotional at the end there, but I think we've, we've had some really <laughs> important things there. And um, it's just great to chat about it. It's like one of the key things throughout this whole podcast has been, you know, if you're able to and if you're comfortable enough to, then, then, then talk about it. It's like you said, Michael, it's not a taboo subject anymore. And um, I, th- I think we've seen through Lauren and then what Josh was describing as well, like f- football is, is, is one of the, the key things for us, I think, particularly in a, a football daft country, um, so many people get get a lot out of it. And you saw the issues that came about through lockdown when there was no football happening, or you, you see how much uh, Lauren was, was was driven to her recovery through wanting yeah. to get back to football and get back to her work as well. It's uh, it's a really important thing. So uh, thank you very much, everybody. Michael, thank you very much for everything you're doing, and we'll make sure that there's there's links posted to your your various uh, pieces of work, including your documentary. Yeah, no, thanks. Yeah. Brilliant. And uh, Lauren, um, I know big, big semi-final in, in a few weeks. All the best for that, whether you're in the starting lineup or not. But hopefully with the, the pressure off in the league over the next few weeks, um, uh, Big Brian will, will have a wee squad rotation and, and we'll see a, a, a bit more of you in, in between the sticks over the next few weeks. So thanks very much for, for joining us, you guys. Uh, in any in any case, Lon, in any case, Lon, you you done a great job coming off the bench tonight. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Nice, Josh. Nice, and Josh, thank you very much for joining us. That was that was fantastic. Thank you for your input. Really enjoyed it, mate. Really enjoyed it. Okay, thanks very much, everybody. Speak soon. Mm-hmm.